Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. All right, y'all ready? We're going to finish this sermon series today on Kingdom Builders. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, before I do that, let me, before I get all serious, uh, sorry, I want to move this so I don't kick the bucket during the middle of the service. It'd be a bad day, right? No, all right. Uh, I sold my vacuum cleaner today. All I was doing was collecting dust. Yeah, all right. <laughs> this is my favorite. Ask my sermon, uh, ask my sermon, ask my surgeon if I could administer my own anesthesia. He said, go ahead, knock yourself out. Uh, now, um, I, I, I want to say something and I just say this real quick. I, I look around the room, I see a lot of masks staring at me. Thank you guys. We have never really been crazy about rules here at Harvest Ridge. Here's the deal. We trust you. We trust you. And we just want to tell you that we trust you. Thank you for being people. We trust you. We think you are people who are responsible and that's our attitude towards you. And, uh, could we pray real quick? Father, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of craziness going on. A lot of people getting sick around this culture right now, around this country, in this world. Resurgence, a lot of people getting sick. What we ask, God, is that you would, um, you would bring healing, help, hope, and help us to deal with the, the things of this life and take our stand on Christ the solid rock. We do pray as well, Father. We pray for every person that's sick, those that are in the hospital, those that life or in situations of uh, despair, would you bring healing to them? And God, I ask over this body, over the people of this body, we paint the Passover blood of Jesus Christ over us and uh, keep the plague away in the name of Jesus. I, I pray this prayer, God, I'm going to pray it. Put the blood of Jesus over us and keep the plague away in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Whatever that plague may be, it's turned into multiple plagues through this, but let's just pray that prayer. All right, y'all ready to go? First Timothy chapter six, verse 17. Would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? We're going to do this. I'm going to move quick today. So if you aren't listening fast, then you better get to work. And here we go. Command those. What's the first word there? Command. My job is to command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our, come on, everybody say this word with me, for our what? Enjoyment. Enjoyment. God's not a killjoy. God is the ultimate party thrower. We spent several months looking at that, all right? God wants you to live life and enjoy it. So he said, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure. And this is the verse we're gonna spend our time on today. In this way, they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Father, I pray that today you would give me the ability to communicate appropriately and that you would make our hearts and our ears open to hear, not just our ears, but our hearts as well, open to hear what you would say to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So turn at somebody before you're seated and give them a big smile. Everybody needs a smile. I mean, make it to somebody that you really like, like turn. If you got to go three people down the road, at least like the person you're smiling at. Come on, give them a big smile. There you go. Online. I'm glad you're here today. Hey, all right. So I've been given a direct command from the scriptures. This is a command given to a pastor of a local church. And the command is this. I am under orders to preach this series. So I have to do it. So if you don't like it, that's all right. There are points of this sermon series I didn't like preaching either. That's okay because I'm under commands. I need to do what God tells me to do sometimes even when I don't like it. Anybody ever have to do? Anyway, we'll get back to that. So do you know someone who's rich and you think they're bad at being rich? We all do. We know somebody that's rich. They're bad at being rich. But who is rich? Well, according to the statistics I was looking up, if you have a $67,000 a year family income, you're in the top 10% richest people in the world, and 60% of Americans live in that category. Many of the people in this room have a car. You probably have a car, and you probably have a house, and many of us have a house for a car. And I have said that that makes you rich. If you have a house for your car, 
I can take you to people that would love to live in a house as good as the house you have for your car. Um, let me see, you probably have several sets of clothing, right? Not just one set, you have several. That makes you rich. Um, you have food to eat, and often we have leftovers. And many of us this Thursday for Thanksgiving, by the way, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. My favorite time of year is Thanksgiving. After that, it's all downhill until the first of the year. <laughs> Did I say all that out loud? Bah humbug. Anyway, if you have food to eat, many of you are going to just gorge yourself with food to eat this week, and then you're going to have piles and piles of leftovers, and some of you are going to throw away food after a day or two that you just don't want around anymore. And if you throw away leftovers, 13.1% of the world is starving. Five million children a year die of food. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody. I'm just trying to get us to recognize we are rich. We are rich. So why don't you feel rich? Number one, you have no margin. You consume everything you make because you think everything you make is for your consumption. And that is not God's way. Second of all, wrong expectations. We think our blessings are for our pleasure and we think we should always get more. So I encourage you, if you have not been through Financial Peace University, we're doing a class in January and it will be worth your time to take your Financial Peace University class in January. All right, so today, I wanna look at one verse and I wanna follow this verse down. I wanna walk it out a little bit. And this one verse is in verse 19. And to do this, I'm gonna give you the CNIV the crow's nearly inspired version, the CNIV of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 19. Now, uh, what I do is I go to the Greek, I read it myself, I translate it myself, and then I write up my translation. This is my translation, and it helps me think through the different nuances of this passage. Now, what Paul has been talking about for weeks is command those who are rich not to be arrogant, put their hope in wealth, command them to be generous and willing to share. Then he says this, in this way, they're storing up for themselves. So the first two words in the passage in the, in the literal is storing up for themselves a good foundation into the about to be. Now, I love this word in the Greek. The, the word there is mellow. And I love the word mellow in the Greek because, you know, sometimes we just need to mellow out. Mellow means it's about to be. It's about to be, man. That's what I think of when I think about it. So every time I read the word mellow, I think of it's about to be. It's relax, it's gonna happen. It's cool, all right? So then he says, storing up for themselves a good foundation into the about to be, which is the age that is about to be, in order that they may, and this word capture is an interesting word. It's, uh, it's the one that, that is used in the New Testament to talk as well about, about catching someone as they're running away. Or, or capturing a, a, um, a prisoner that's running away. Epilambano, they get, go grab them and capture them. So you're going to capture, by the way, the real life doesn't just happen, you have to capture it. A lot of us think we're gonna mellow our way into a great life. No, you don't mellow your way into a great life. You capture the real life. <laughs> The coming life, the eternal life is going to happen and you get to be a part of it and you don't purchase that and you don't make that happen. But if you want to have a real life on this earth, you're going to have to do some capturing. I, I got three people helping me preach. You're going to have to help me today or I'm going to stay on these things all day long and I'm going to say it over and over again until you get it. So if I hear an amen, I'm going to think maybe you got it, right? All right, so let's go. Three phrases that need some attention. Number one, storing up into the about to be. So um, this passage actually encourages you to be a saver, to be a saver. That we're to store up. Now, God has no problem with storing up. God has no problem with savings. As a matter of fact, that's a virtue in the scripture to actually have a savings account is a virtue in the scripture because you store up money for a raining day because guess what? Like we found out today outside, it's going to what? rain. Your car will break. Your refrigerator will break. Something will go wrong. You will get sick. You will get fired. Something will, you'll get laid off. I don't care what it is. There's always going to be a rainy day. Am I correct? So storing up for a rainy day just means that you're smart. Proverbs 21, 20 says the wise, the wise people, they store up choice food and oil, but a fool gulps down everything. They just 
fool will just consume it, but the wise will take a portion and store it up for the future. So those of you that are savers, God says you're wise. Are you ready? Proverbs 30, 24. Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Once again, wisdom. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they do what? They store up their food in the summer. They know that this is production time and this is need time. So I'm gonna store up during the production time for when I have a need. That's what you do when you're in like your 40s, right? And hopefully your 50s, is you store up for that time when you're 70 and you can't get a job anymore, right? Unless you're running for president. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry, both of them were over their 70s. It's fine, it's fine. It was funny. Come on, everyone. That was fun. All right. All right. Everywhere else, you're too old to get a job. Anyway, uh, do you know about 21% of Americans actually have a winning lot? And, and that's not hatred on older people. I'm just having some fun. Okay. Can we have some? Right now, I feel like everybody is so tense all the time. Everybody's just walking around with their stinger out waiting to just sting. Can we do ourselves a favor? Can we, when, we, when we're interacting here in this body, can we smile and love one another and treat each other with kindness? Even if somebody offends you, would you do a favor? Would you overlook it? The Bible says you're wise when you overlook an offense, right? There's no reason. We're way too offendable in our culture today. Can we just actually act like, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. All right, 21% of Americans actually have winning the lottery as their retirement plan. And the number goes up to 40% when you look at people under $35,000 or less. That's the reason most of the lottery sales happens in poor communities because it is, it is actually a tax on the poor. Don't, you want to talk about systemic racism and hatred? Why don't we get rid of the lottery first? I, 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 I'll say that. And I mean that. Anyway, Matthew, uh, Matthew 6, 19 says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. <laughs> Jesus said, don't store up. And they're like, what? Don't store up treasures on earth. Why not? Where moths and vermin destroy. <laughs> I love that. I, I should write a song or a sermon one day and call it moths and vermin. I, I just like that. Moths and vermin. Doesn't that sound really cool? Who are you? That, that, that would be the name of my rock band, Moths and Vermin. I don't know. <laughs> but don't store up treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up. So Jesus wasn't saying don't store up. He was saying be careful where you store up. He said store up treasures for yourselves in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So Jesus is not telling us not store up. He's just saying change the location of where you're storing. You're storing in the wrong location. And Luke chapter 12, verse 15, there's a passage, a story about this. Jesus said to them, he said, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. I, I was thinking about that. I was rereading my, my notes this morning and I, I especially underlined that line right there, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Apparently there's not just one kind of greed. Have you ever thought about the fact that there's probably multiple kinds of greed? There's the greed of jealousy. There's the greed of I want more. There's the greed of I want pleasure. There's the greed of I need to store up more. There's, there's all kinds of greed. Greed isn't, you know, greed is easy to see in other people, but it's really hard to see in the mirror. And uh, we should be on guard. We should watch out because there's all kinds of greed. And then Jesus says, life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And the average American say, you're wrong, bro. Life does consist of the abundance of possessions, but Jesus said, no, it doesn't. And so he told them this parable. And here's the parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So we're going to talk about corn in, in a bit. So I got my corn with me today. I got it in here because it's all sticky and would get all messy everywhere because um, anyway, maybe we'll talk about why it gets all sticky and messy in a minute. Um, he told them this parable, the ground of certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I've got more than I need. And then he said, this is what I'll do since I've got more than I need. The barns I have aren't big enough. I'll tear them down. I'll build bigger ones. Now, come on. Do you get this? Why does he have to tear down his barns and build bigger barns? Why not just add another barn? Because he's in, 
His storing up isn't just about having bigger barns. His storing is about impressing people with the size of his barns. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, and there I will store up my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, listen to his words himself. You have plenty of grain laid up for many, many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, move to Florida, play golf every day, and drink and be merry. I didn't say that. That's in the text. Is that in the text? Yeah, anyway. <clears throat> but God said to him, what did God, what did, the only time I believe God actually says this in the entire Bible. What does God say to the guy that thinks his surplus is for him to store up for him? You fool. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be. Everyone who stores up things for, all right, everybody, all right. Everybody who stores up things for who? themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now there's a comparison here. And apparently that comparison is I think only about me or I think about God. So the two are in opposition against each other. You cannot think about God's ways and only think about yourself. You cannot think only about yourself and think about God's ways. And the problem with this man being a fool is not that he's storing up stuff and not that he's being wise because we've already talked about how that is wise, but that he's only storing up thinking only about himself, not about God. So you and I are called to save for the about to be, the, the mellow that's coming. Um, the now age, uh, the now age is contrasted in, against the about to be age. There's a time coming where we're going to live in God's provision completely and totally and, and everything will be taken care of. And in this age, we are acting in such a way as to prepare ourselves for the coming age. All right, so you're not getting this. Let me, and I did, I just kicked the bucket, yes. All right, <clears throat> so let's say you get a job in Japan. See if I can help you here. You get this job in Japan, and your job is to move to Japan, and while you're there, it is going to be a six-month job. You go to Japan for a six-month job, and you're going to make an outlandish amount of money for six months in Japan outlandish amount, all right? We're talking about double the, the amount of money as everybody else makes in there because you're working, there, there's just one problem, that your job in the government will not allow you to bring a penny back to your life here in the United States after that six months. So you have six months to live in Japan making an outlandish amount of money and while you're there, you can't bring a single penny back with you. You also can't bring back anything you purchase. What are you gonna do with that six months? How are you gonna live? Are you gonna live in the finest hotels eating lobster and, and that Kobe steak or whatever it is that's hand massaged? Is that how you're gonna do it? You're gonna live that way? Or, or what are you going to do? You're going to live well, and then with everything that's left over, you're going to find a place to give it away to make an impact. Hmm. Very simple. Wow. When I, when I talked about actually giving it away, it never crossed some of your mind. You think, wow, I get to live in the finest houses and wear the finest clothes. But remember, you're only doing the six months of your life, and when you're done, what do you have? Nothing. What impact have you made? Nothing. Nothing. That's how it is in this world. We are given a life. We are given a life now, and there's an about to be coming. So this illustration, you've seen it before. I'll do it again. Ready? Ready? Woo! Say, this is the timeline of eternity. That did not unfold like it was supposed to. I thought I did a better job on this rope. I guess my eternity is going to be a mess. <laughs> couldn't resist. Anyway, consider this to be the timeline of eternity. Pastor Robin, would you grab that for me real quick? There you go. And just walk over there to the corner. And uh, I guess this is 2020 in the eternity. <laughs> all right. Now, <clears throat> this is your life. I'm not sure if you guys can get all this, but this is your life. No, no, this is eternity. 
This is your life. What, what we do, we have a habit and a tendency to think our life is all about this when we have the about to be coming our way. And what I'd like to remind us in this passage today is that we have a lot more coming than the few years we live on this life. Store up for the about to be. All right, next thing. We are to lay up a good foundation. Thank you for taking care of that. Good foundation. Um, there are weak foundations, there are strong foundations. Paul said to lay up, storing up for yourselves, a good foundation. What is a good foundation? Well, let's talk about what a bad foundation is. In, in a town called Pisa, Italy. Now, I did more reading on this than I probably ought to because I started geeking out on it. They started building the lean, what we know as the Leaning Tower of Pisa. It's the bell tower for the local church. So they're going to put up a picture of that. And that picture is uh, the Tower of Pisa. So what happened was they built a 10-foot deep foundation, but the foundation wasn't strong enough to handle it. They got two stories into it. And when they got two stories into it, it started tilting. And it lay there because of wars and stuff and sat there for a while and sat there. And finally, they decided they'd come back and build. So rather than fixing the foundation, you know what they did? Rather than starting all over and fixing the foundation, this is what they did. They started building one side higher than the other. So when you look from the third story up to about the fifth story, this side, they had to add an extra stair in every little bit because the stairs on this side were larger than the other side because they built this side higher to correct it. So the Leaning Tower of Pisa is actually sort of crooked. Hmm. Yeah. And, and that's how we do this life, all right? We go crooked in our life to try to fix a bad foundation. Wouldn't it have been easier just to fix the foundation? So a few years ago, they didn't want to totally mess everything up, but they went in, they excavated some earth under one side and put some concrete under the other and built up a foundation underneath it. So it's going to now be stable and they let people climb it again. And it's stuck at four degrees off tilter, off kilter, off, off center, because the foundation was wrong. They thought they were building a 10 foot deep foundation was enough for a 132 foot bell tower, but it wasn't. The same goes with our lives. If you want to have a life that is able to stand strong and tall, believe it or not, this world is going to be an unstable place to do it. So you better dig down for a good foundation. Paul encouraged us to lay up a good foundation for the about to be. So what are some weak foundations? Weak foundations are basing your life on your feelings. We've talked about that. Following your heart's a dumb idea. We, approval, approval of others. You know, building your foundation. I do everything I do to get approval from somebody maybe that isn't even there to give me that approval anymore. How about lust or selfish behavior or addictive behavior or control? Wow. All of these things become crazy activities and behavior. And my question is, what are your foundations? Why do you do what you do? Why do you spend money the way you do? Why do you dress the way you do? Why do you talk the way do you do? Why do you go to the places you go to? Why do you do those things? What foundation supports those behaviors? And a lot of us, we simply get mad at ourselves for bad behaviors and we never ask ourselves the question, y'all ready for this? Why? Great question to ask. Who am I trying to press? Why am I doing it? So we all know that there are weak foundations and those weak foundations will lead you to be a mess. This tower should have fallen. If they had continued building it earlier, it would have fallen. And thank God for good engineers or it would be on the ground now. And let me tell you, if it falls, it's going to be a mighty crash. Same with your life. If you build wrong on a weak foundation, it will crash. But listen, that's what we talked about today. Jesus Christ, my what? cornerstone. He's, he's the stone. And the scripture says, 2 Timothy 2, 19, God's solid foundation stands firm. When you build your life on God and his approval, that foundation is firm. All right. Thirdly of all, capture the real life. We're called to capture the real life. And I, I talked about that word. This is an aggressive word. This epilambano is a, it's an aggressive word. You're going to go get it. You're going to grab it. You're going to pursue it and catch it. <sighs> Anybody watch Ohio State football game and the, yeah, and you're like, there are guys running down the field and you're like, catch them. Anybody ever say words like that? Yeah. yeah. Browns, you'll probably say that a lot today, but no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just joking. All right. I, I can pick on them. If you watch the Cowboys, you definitely will say that a lot. Being a Cowboys fan for a lifetime, this is a rough year, people. All right. So what's the real point of the message today? This is it. 
is that God has made us for a real life and most of us live a half life. There was a, a song by One Republic called Counting Stars and it goes something like this. I feel something so right by doing the wrong things. Anybody ever feel that way? And then they say, I feel something so wrong doing the right thing. I couldn't lie, I couldn't lie, I couldn't lie. Everything that kills me makes me feel alive. Anybody hear that song? Anybody remember that song? A few years ago, but I love that song because that song reads like Romans chapter 7 and 8. And that song reads like my autobiography. Everything that kills me is what I enjoy. Right? Right? Does anybody else struggle with this? Or am I the only person in the world? No, there's a few of you? Okay. And that leads us to, if you're going to capture the real life, you have to avoid the wrong life. You can't get the real life. You can't go capture the real life if you're running after the wrong life. So if you're running after what makes you feel good, you will never capture the real life. You'll be running the opposite direction. The Bible calls this sin and repentance. So can we talk about sin for a second? Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 25 says this, he speaking of Jesus, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. There is pleasure to sin. If your sin is not pleasurable, you aren't doing it right. Really sin is pleasurable to begin with. After a while, it's not so pleasurable. But to start with, it feels good because nobody's going to think to themselves, hey, I'm going to totally destroy my life and my future for something that feels horrible. The Bible even says, uh, this, was, this was Moses. It says that he chose to be mistreated for a future harvest rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin for a little bit. So speaking of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, we, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, not the joy in his hand, but the joy set before him. There is a future harvest here. And Jesus chose to endure the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the throne of God. He did this for a joy that was before him for a future harvest, not a now harvest, a future harvest. I want you to see that your day-to-day -day life now, you make decisions that affect your future harvest. That's what all of this message is about. We want to store up, we want to store up things that give us a future harvest, not store up things that give us a future harvest we don't want. And he says this, those of you that, that want to complain all the time about how hard it is in your struggle against sin, you've not even resisted the point where you shed blood. In other words, quit your whine and wimp. Suck it up, buttercup. Come on, let's go. There are people who have suffered and died for their faith. And we complain when the preacher says, hey, you should give a couple of dollars to feed somebody who has no food. In your struggle, you haven't even shed any blood yet. So, but I, I, want, I want to capture one more thing from this passage, okay? I'm giving you a lot of scripture today because we're trying to lay a very clear understanding is that there is a future harvest and there is a now sowing. And I want you to see that Jesus, for the joy set before him, he understood the about to be and was willing to suffer now for a better about to be. What would have happened if Jesus had not suffered? You and I today would not get to live in God's joy. Aren't you glad that somebody suffered today or 2000 years ago so you and I could have blessings today? All right, now let's go ahead. Sin is missing the mark. God has a plan for your life. The word sin is um, hamartia, and it, it's a, uh, we've talked about this before, it's an it's a, um, archery term, and what it literally means, there's a target out there, so if that's my target, and I'm shooting over here, I'm never going to hit my target, right? 
So God has a future blessing for us. He has a life that is the perfect life for us. It's right there. If I will aim and I will shoot and I will hit that target, if I will make my focus God's plan for my life, I will live in God's best. But every time I start shooting over here, over here, or up there, or over there, I, you know, it's like grown-ups shooting up here anyway. <clears throat> Y'all don't didn't get that grown-ups the movie where they shoot the arrow up in the air and it comes down and lands in his foot does watch the tv version i've never seen the other one so i don't know what happens is when we shoot the wrong direction we never hit the right targets so sin is missing the target and and <clears throat> if you shoot and you miss the wrong target if you sow the wrong seed you will always, you always reap a reward. So Galatians 6, 17 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. God cannot be mocked. A man, a human being, a man, woman, whoever we are, we will reap what we sow. If you sow for the future, you will get something in the future. If you sow for the now, you will get something in the future. There will always be a harvest. So you can either pay a little early and have a great future, or you can pay something now and have a bad future. For example, your credit card. Anybody have a credit card? If you go put, I did these figures. If you put $3,000 on a credit card at 17% interest and you make the minimum payment over 10 years, you pay nearly double the amount, you pay $5,300. So if you put money on a credit card now, you are sowing a seed now. I want this shirt, I want this now, I want this meal now, I want this vacation now, $3,000 vacation. Put it on my credit card or stick the chip in, get my credit card, $3,000 for a vacation, it's done in a week and all I got is a picture on my timeline that I'll find in a couple years and I'll go, wasn't that fun. But in, then if I make minimum payments, I pay for two vacations. Wouldn't it have been better to pay for the vacation and then spend it and then pay for the vacation and then spend it? Amen. You get two for the price. Anyway, are y'all following me? Yes. So do you want a larger harvest of righteousness or do you want a harvest of peace or do you want a harvest of pain? So we're to store up for the real life, for the, we're, to, we're to capture the real life. What is the real life? What matters? What matters? A couple years ago, I was forced to ask myself the question, what matters in this life and what is a definition of success? So I rewrote, I wrote a life goal definition of success. And here it is, you ready for this? That the people who know me the best will love me the most. I started thinking about what really matters. And you know, all the things that really matters aren't very much, all, all the things that I thought were fun weren't very much fun if nobody liked me. If my wife didn't like me, my kids didn't like me, church didn't like me, my neighbors don't like me. If nobody likes me, it's not very much fun, right? No matter where I go and nobody likes me there, I'm not gonna have that much fun there. I love to play golf, but you can't play golf 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? <laughs> in weather like this you're not playing golf you've got to find something else to do with your life so let me ask you a question is your life surrounded by people who know the real you and still like you what a great definition of success to do that, to have that kind of life where my wife and my kids and my people who work with me still like me, I have to control what seeds I put in the ground. I have to control what seeds I put out with my words and my attitudes and my actions because if I put in the wrong seeds, I will reap a harvest. If I put in the right seeds, I will reap a harvest. So in doing that, where do I find peace in life? By healthy relationships by controlling my lusts and desires. Because every time I let my lusts and desires go, it does not lead to peace. And by controlling the fact that I can trust God for my eternity rather than focusing on this life. So, real life sounds like what Jesus said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's real life. 
And when we live that life, we store up for the about to be. All right, now I'm going to bring all this down, okay? I have a corn cob here. The typical corn stalk will produce about four of these. There are four of these. Um, there are a couple hundred kernels of corn in every single one of these ears. A couple hundred. By the way, that corn plant that came up out of the ground that produced four or five of these, that corn plant came from one of these kernels. So you put one kernel in the ground and it produces a bunch of corn kernels. Are y'all following me here? One seed doesn't just produce. When you sow, can you back up on scripture for me? When you sow into the ground, you are not just sowing and to reap one seed. So I do one good thing, I get one thing. I do one bad thing, I get one bad thing. No, you do one good thing, you reap a harvest. Are, are y'all following me here? You do one good thing, you reap a harvest. You do one bad thing, you reap a harvest. God's not mocked. You put seed in the ground and that seed produces other seeds. Think about one orange seed put in the ground over the years. How many oranges with orange seeds are produced out of one orange seed put in the ground? We could go on and on and on. You don't, when you sow something, you don't expect a one-time harvest and then to be done of one to one. You expect increase. So everything you sow in this life, everything you sow, you will reap a harvest. You will. Our problem is a lot of us are sowing the wrong things and then always complaining to God and praying for crop failure. And what God says is, no, no, I'm not going to be mocked. You make a decision. Are you going to sow for yourself? Are you going to sow for the about to be? Are you going to live for today? Or are you going to live for eternity? Are you going to live for your momentary pleasures? Or are you going to live to make your world a better place? What are you going to do? Because every seed you put in the ground will come up. And can we go to that Roman, uh, Galatians chapter six, verse eight? This is what it says. Whoever sows, if you sow to please your flesh, from the flesh, you will reap destruction. Not one seed, a harvest of reaping destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit. So if you do the right thing, you will reap from the Spirit eternal life and all the blessings of it. So let us not be weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So if you're trying to do the right thing and it's not working, understand that every seed you put in will reap a harvest in the future, but it's not gonna be a one-to-one -one correlation that that love I show to that person at work that's a total jerk to me isn't gonna reap one seed in the future, but I'm gonna get a whole harvest out of it. <sighs> it will happen. You will get your harvest. Are you gonna sow? For destruction? Or are you going to sow for life? Which one's it going to be? What are you storing up? Are you storing up for the about to be? Or are you storing up more barns for yourself so you can have more? And then God says, you're a fool. You keep planting for the wrong reasons. That's the reason I have no problem with kingdom builders. And that's, no, no, uh, that's the reason I have no problem asking you today to make a pledge to kingdom builders to give a one-day offering like this one right here. By the way, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but me and my wife discussed what we were going to do with this and how much we were going to give and what the check was going to be. And we discussed it and we made a decision on the dollar amount. And um, <clears throat> then something happened. We got a disappointment and then we got a, a, a blessing and it covers this penny financially. I, I'd love to tell you the whole story, but I, I just want to tell you that when you sow, God says you'll reap a harvest. I'm not saying everybody's going to do that, but my goodness, it was a blessing to me. I decided what we were going to do and we got more back. I don't know how that, how does that happen? I'm not smart enough for that. But God knows that what you sow, you reap, right? Right. So I have no problem asking you to support kingdom builders. Remember your tithes, 
is your tithe. That's your percentage giving you give to God because, because you need to. You need to do that. You need to do it as an act of obedience. And your missions is something you ought to do. It's something we ought to do to reach the world for Jesus. But this kingdom builder, it's something you get to do. I mean, you just get to do it. If you're watching online, there is a form online that you can go to and fill out. And uh, in a minute, we're going to receive an offering here. There's a way you can give online. Uh, it, the one-day offering goes under Kingdom Builders. And, um, and if, you, if you are filling out a, a check or something here locally, you can do Kingdom Builders on the giving line of the envelope. Yeah, it's on there. Just mark it on Kingdom Builders. All of this goes into Kingdom Builders. And by the way, every penny that comes into Kingdom Builders, what do we do? Every penny is what? Given away. Every penny goes to the projects. Every penny goes. We don't, this doesn't go to meet bills or lights or anything like that. It's just blessing. So I want to give you our projects and I want to tell you what our projects are. And then we're going to watch a little video and then we're going to give. Um, let, let me do this. Our projects are, first of all, Convoy of Hope. You're going to watch a video in just a second about a girl named Kate years ago. We started hearing about Kate. And when we watch this video, you'll see the impact that Convoy of Hope feeding people who have no food matters. And that's what Convoy of Hope is going for, is we're going to help feed people who have no food. It's Thanksgiving week. We're going to eat a lot. Let's give a few pennies, make some people uh, able to eat. Uh, kids who have no food get rescued from um, um, poverty and starvation. Second of all, foster teens. This is one that's got a lot of excitement going on. We're going to give gift cards and Christmas cards to every single foster child in Lorain County over the age of five. We're going to show them love. These kids have had a rough life and we're just gonna reach out and show them the love of Jesus and we're gonna give them gift cards for Christmas and let them know they're loved. Uh, thirdly of all, Harvest Hands. We're now feeding double the amount of people we were before COVID started. And this double amount, by the way, includes several, every week, several Muslim people, people who uh, pull up with their burqas with just their eyes showing and they pull up and they get their food and they get to hear the good news of Jesus and we get to share with them. And we freely do so because we love all people, not just people who are like us. And fourth of all, online streaming. We have people around the world, there are at least eight countries that watch on a regular basis our online streaming. I have no idea what you're doing in all those countries, but thank you for joining us at Harvest Ridge. And, and you know what? I heard one place uh, in a predominantly Muslim country where they're gathering their friends together and they're watching and we're their church service. So Harvest Ridge in the Middle East. Yeah. Welcome Harvest Ridge in the Middle East. We love you. Um, I guess Harvest Ridge has multiple locations now. I didn't even know that. You are a part of our family, by the way. Fire Bible, we get to give Fire Bible away to, to pastors and, and uh, Bible school students that have no Bible. Could you imagine going to be a pastor and having no Bible? We get to give them a Bible. Uh, Harvest Palooza, our biggest outreach to share our community that we love them and God loves them. And we get to give to that. Uh, we get to tell our community that Jesus loves you and, and we get to show it face to face. I love that. Africa Oasis, we get to build a well at a local church and that local church becomes the source of health and hope for an entire community. So to get something to drink, you don't have to walk an extra five miles. You only walk a mile to the church to get your water and we can help a community that way. And then Builders International, um, that we're helping people in uh, specifically, most of our money's going to Bahamas and we're helping them in Bahamas rebuild after the hurricane that devastated that country last year. And uh, those are our projects. There'll probably be three or four more we'll throw some money at through the year, depending on how much you give. So uh, remember, remember this kingdom builders is not me saying to you, you have to do this. No, nobody in this room has to do it. Nobody has to do it. Nobody watching online. You don't have to do this. You get to do it. You get to do it. You know what we do? We put one kernel in the ground. We put a dollar in the ground, not expecting that we're going to get money back. No, that happened to me, praise God, <laughs> through some good management too. But that happened to me, but it may not happen to you, all right? It may not happen. It hasn't happened any of the other years I've done it. This year's different. Maybe God sees 2020, I need a blessing. I don't know, but I will tell you this. I've never regretted a penny I've given to kingdom builders because I know that every penny is going to make an impact on the world. Because I plant one seed and I'm expecting, man, I'm not expecting one ear of corn. I'm expecting like 15 ears of corn out of this, right? 
I'm expecting God to take this seed and make it produce for ages and generations. I want to show you a story. Years ago when we started this one-day offering, asking you to take one day of your salary and to give that one day of your salary and to give it in this offering, the, the year we started doing it, the reason was I saw a video about this girl. You'll see some of the original footage. And I realized that I could not do nothing. I had to do something. So this is an update on this girl from about eight years ago. sponsor of our church for me to continue my study and have my meal. <laughs> Sometimes before, I'm thinking that we're the, the most <laughs> poor people in the world, but as I'm uh, looking around uh, here at our community, I saw a lot of people, they were more than us. Studying hard now um, for my future and someday I promise to myself that I'm going to help them, help, help my community here, our community and our church that and I will I will someday become the sponsor of our church <laughs> like you guys. So Aren't you glad you're a part of something that makes that kind of impact? All right, I'm a crybaby. <laughs> I watch that and I'm like, but you have to understand, I've been in, I've never been to the Philippines. I've been to the other countries in the world, a lot of countries like this. I've been there and I've seen the cakes of this world. I actually helped get food to probably some people like Kate. So this isn't just some out there idea. This is something actually I've experienced. And the thought of planting this little seed a little seed. What's it going to produce through the cakes of this world? Who's going to watch our videos somewhere in a, a Muslim country and receive Jesus and bring Jesus to thousands of folks? Which one of those foster kids is going to hear the love of Jesus and their life be changed forever? What, what are you willing to invest in? So without shame, I ask you today, Kingdom Builders, we're going to receive an offering. We're going to do it old-fashioned way because we can't do buckets. Remember, online you can give. If you're here and you don't have stuff with you, you can go online. There's a form, form you fill out, and um, it's an online form, and it, it all goes into Kingdom Builders. So everything, your one-day offering, the monthly pledges, all of that goes into Kingdom Builders. So there's a, you know, this card you can fill out, and this card 
says, this is my one day offering and this is my monthly commitment. If you wanna do any of those, you can, and then just total it up at the bottom. And then we're gonna sing a song and we have some buckets up here. And since, you know, we're gonna dig wells in Africa and stuff like that, I figured it'd be appropriate to do it African style offering, is that all right? You know how they do it in Africa? I've been to Madagascar, I've been to Sierra Leone. You know what they do with African style offering? Is you literally get up out of your chairs and you praise your way all all the way to the bucket where you throw your money in. And you worship God the whole time. Because this is a, what, what we're doing is this. We're laying up a firm foundation and we're investing in the about to be. I get to be a part of laying up a foundation for the future and changing somebody's world here. That's a privilege. It's a privilege. And uh, only, yeah, it's a privilege. We're, I'm gonna say a prayer. And uh, before I do that, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, there's a future coming. Would you turn from your sin and would you turn to him and receive him as your savior and live for him? Come on. You're going to reap what you're sowing. You will reap it. You might as well change what you're putting in the ground and put in faith and hope and trust in Jesus. We're gonna say a prayer and then we're gonna give this offering and we're gonna give, give you a chance to give and to worship God as you do it. So would you stand to your feet with me? Father, I pray right now, if there are those that hearing this message, they've never made a full commitment to you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that this moment, God, they would just step into the grace and the love and the plan you have for their life. God, there are other people in this room. They've trusted you with their heart, but God, they're, they're right now planting some bad seed and they know it. They're planting some bad seed and they're gonna reap a harvest. They will reap a harvest. You cannot be mocked, that will happen. I pray that in the name of Jesus today, they would make a decision to change their sowing strategies and they would begin to sow faith and hope and vulnerability in life instead of the sin that they've been pursuing. And God, I pray as well that you would um, you'd cause those today that are sowing good seed. I pray that they would reap a harvest of righteousness, peace, and joy. And I know you will take care of their needs, but I'm asking you for more than that. I'm asking for peace and joy over them. And God, we pray that every penny we give and every dollar we get to get to give away, we get to do this. Every dollar of it, God, it would do something on an earthly realm that'll make a difference in the heavenly realm for generations to come because we get to participate with you in sowing for a future harvest of righteousness. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. So why don't you join me when you're ready? Let's keep this socially distanced. Not everybody at once. We're going to sing about three or four minutes. So take your time. If you need to fill out your card or something, let's do it. All right, let's go.